the squadron. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, it's been very active here at the uh, Red Apple Audio Network, the Mothership Connection for Greg Kelly's many affiliates out there. He's away, but we provide you live and local programming. We don't believe in best of because it's really worst of. We already told you of the breaking news about how a Hamas-supporting caravan of cars was stopped uh, right outside of JFK Airport, blocking the entrance. Um, it was Nancy, my wife, who broke that story in the Rip and Read Hour that preceded this. Anthony Weiner was actually involved. In, I was there. Uh, and by the way, how come nowadays everything negative is a caravan? An immigrant caravan, a Hamas caravan. <laughs> caravan used to be such a happy, positive word. Now right. It's, now Marrakesh it's, Express. Yeah. Remember the caravan to the Marrakesh <laughs> Express to score some hash. Now in the caravans, we we just want to stop caravans. It's the only thing we want to do anymore. Exactly. And the other big story of Midtown Manhattan, if you look out our windows, Anthony, you can see the place is empty. You would think that this was like 6 o'clock in the morning Sunday because there was a steam pipe explosion just a few blocks from where we broadcast. Nancy had just worked her way over to the studios where we were preparing the show. And we went outside and I posted a video because people were in total chaos. They weren't able to go left. They weren't able to go east, west, north, south. Then the police told them it could be asbestos in the air. And you know you say asbestos to people and they freak. And now this place is a ghost town. Yeah. I mean, look at it. Well, I, I told it's you. a ghost town. So I came straight. I've got a story for everything today. I came straight from JFK to the studio, and they have these big electronic billboards to give you updates. Right, in the most useless update imaginable, it said heavy congestion on uh, avoid east side. Well, for anyone who knows the geography of the Midtown Tunnel, once you're coming, what? how can I avoid the east side? I can't go over the, the, nope. the island to come in the other side. So, yeah. It, Look, it's have pretty, you ever seen it's midday? A tumbleweed can come down, yeah. No traffic because of the fear that there is asbestos in the air. Now, that's not the air. People shouldn't be panicking and getting in hazmat suits and once again putting visors on and Playtex gloves and four masks. But whatever happened earlier on with a steam pipe explosion, because what people don't realize in Manhattan, most of the heat is from steam pipes. Right. So it's not from burning diesel fuel. It's not electric. It's this massive maze of steam pipes that was buried many, many years ago and that has kept all of these buildings warm. For many, many years. Well, if you go, one of the great things for nerds like you and me to do, if you look below the ground and you look like an X-ray below the ground in New York City, you've got steam pipes providing the heat. You have sewage pipes taking the dirty water away. You've got the clean pipes bringing the, the water in. You have cables for phone, cables for cable TV, cables for everything else. It is a remarkable infrastructure, but very often if you see a picture of winter New York and you see steam coming up from the streets from the manhole covers, that means that there's a leak in one of those pipes and it's just steam coming up. And But it, it, it really is true that if you do have one of those problems, there's no choice but to shut an entire street down. And there's no 
you know, we talk a lot about congestion in New York. There's no place to move traffic when you're on a major north-south thoroughfare. Well, think of it for many, many cities. It's not just New York, the largest city in the United States, but you have lead-lined pipes that have been there for a 100 years, right. a century. They have to be replaced. We have in our Manhattan area is congestion as it is, all these pipes that uh, that – uh, uh, transport heat, enormous amounts of heat that are asbestos-lined. In fact, I used to go down. You'd go through the gold door at the Waldorf Astoria. Ever since it was purchased by mainland China, it's now being uh, redone as a hotel condos. So there's no activity there. Plus, they have to install all the listening devices to spy on us. Of course. That used to be where the president would stay when he would come in town, the Waldorf Astoria, no matter who the president was. And there are seven layers underneath into Grand Central Station. And there used to be a gold door there that if you went into the gold door, all the, quote, at the time you called them hobos, now we call them homeless guys, would go in there because when we had real winter, when it'd be like 20 foot of snow, it'd be like 40 degrees below zero wind chill factor, all of the homeless would go down in the gray uh, through the uh, golden door, seven layers of steam pipes, and those steam pipes were so hot down there that you'd have to take off most of yeah, your clothes. Basically. It was almost tropical-like. Yeah. And I would go down there. They called it a hobo jungle. And even back then, I knew all the homeless guys down there because, you know, I had just started the Guardian Angels. It was 1979. And they, they had to have water because, let's face it, you're you're sweating down there. Even though it's like it feels like it's 40 below outside, you're sweating down there so they would have jugs of water. It's amazing how they they were able to survive in those circumstances. That doesn't exist any longer. They've redone Grand Central Station. You know, they put a link. Even though, as you know, because you're a subway guy, I'm a subway there are about 50, no, except, no, no exaggeration, 50 different ways to sneak, to get in and out of Grand Central. Like if you want to stay as long as you can, in, in, you know, covered up, if it's raining outside or something, you can do it there. But the other thing about when the street gets really quiet like this, an interesting thing happens, and you probably observe this because you do overnight shifts on, on the weekends, is that the homeless people very often move also because there's no foot traffic to panhandle from. So, you know, traffic makes all the different problems that go with traffic. But when you have something like this that closes down a whole street, and as a, and we're close enough to Fifth Avenue, we still get the tourist traffic around uh, around where we are. And this is the lull because starting tomorrow, the, the city is going to start swelling with people who are coming in for uh, for, 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 for the, the dropping drop. of the wall. Yeah. But it's interesting because Grand Central is at the epicenter. So you have this new link that was built for the Long Island Railroad that might as well be a mausoleum. Have you been in that building? Yeah, it's like a mausoleum. Have you gone up that um, gigantic escalator that goes up? Because they made it so deep into the ground. Yeah, and it's uh, like all marble. But you feel like if you're going to die one day, this is where they bury you. Because it is like there's almost no traffic at all. Well, I tell you, there's a lot of cops down there, but they're not patrolling anything. There's no... I can't say there's no services, but there don't seem to be any services. See, my son and I would go out to Islander games, and so the idea that this was stopping at Grand Central helped us because we were going to go to Penn Station. So we took it a couple of times, and it's really amazing, 
but it is kind of, I don't know what the word is. It's kind of like sterile. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, and then when, and then it's so deep in the ground because of what we're talking about. If you want to do any development underground now, and we saw this when they put the most recent subway line that was added to is the seven line on the far west side of Manhattan. They have to dig so deep because they have to go underneath all the infrastructure that's come since then. Correct. But, now, look at Grand Central, right? Is in the news for a number of reasons. I gave you the historical context. Go through the golden door of the Waldorf Historia, where all the presidents used to stay, where they would bring in a railroad train with FDR, and they would keep him out of sight, out of mind, because he was in a wheelchair. And then they would lift him up through the elevators that went right down into Grand Central, where all the tracks were, into the Waldorf Historia. They didn't want the president of the United States to be seen in a wheelchair. Now we have the front page of today's New York Post about an emotionally disturbed guy who had been released uh, from 17 different arrests up in the Bronx who just came up to these uh, these two young uh, girls who were tourists, I think from Colombia, with their parents, and stabbed them. And then was tackled and obviously taken, and that's sort of like the lead story. So we talked about how they are homeless, they're emotionally disturbed, and how the Hamas... Uh, protesters have from time to time taken over Grand Central Station. Right. It's sort of taken on a whole new life, Grand Central Station. But Grand Station. Central is always a great place to protest if you're a protester because in the big, it's called the Great Hall, in the Great Hall of Grand Central, it looks like it's, it's already packed with people anyway. And it's so easy. It, you know, people stand in the middle of Grand Central looking up at the boards because, like any other train station, it says where it is you go. So to to inconvenience as many people as possible, you protested Grand Central. Well, when uh, the Waldorf Historia was still open, uh, then President Donald Trump, when he would come into New York City, would not stay at the Waldorf. He had the Trump Tower to stay. Well, also, we stopped. Once the Chinese bought the building, we stopped using it for that. But we stopped using it for our, our diplomats. Well, yeah, I thought for sure that Joe Biden would have used it, right? Because of his affiliation with the uh, Red Chinese. Actually, actually, Hunter Biden was paid in credits to, to go stay at the <laughs> to go stay there. <laughs> but the point is, is that big in the news now is state after state. Some of them are deciding whether to try to prevent Donald Trump from being on the ballot. Uh, I noticed that uh, the governor uh, in California, Newsom, has taken on his attorney general and his lieutenant governor and said, "No, no, let, let's not go that route." Uh, can you give us an update on that? And when, if at all, do we believe that the United States Supreme Court will make uh, a decision that will affect every one of the states? Well, the simplest way to put this is putting aside what you want the outcome to be. And my personal preference is the outcome should be Donald Trump is on the ballot and he's defeated. Because I think that, frankly, if you want to really repudiate him, his policies, the way he behaved, that's the way to do it. But – after the Civil War, we didn't arrest people and put them on trial. Robert E. Lee never stood trial. The 200,000 Confederates have never stood trial because there was this idea of trying to reconcile. But what they did do, Republicans at the time, what they did do is they said, let's amend the Constitution to make sure that none of these people could ever serve in positions of power ever again. And so the 14th Amendment, Section 3, says disqualification that no person can be a representative, a, a elector, an off, a member of the military, a, um, any leader of any sort, even in the state legislatures, if you have had engaged in insurrection or given aid and comfort thereto. 
So it doesn't say you have to be guilty of it in a court of law. It just says you have to have done it. Um, and it doesn't say it's like anything else. It's like any other qualification. My son Jordan can be knocked off the ballot here in New York State because he's not yet 35. He can't be president. Boom, you're off the ballot. You haven't been a citizen for you haven't been a, a resident of the country for 14 years. You, you're knocked off the ballot. You haven't you're not a natural born citizen. You're knocked off the ballot. So people in 40 states, I think, have brought suits saying, well, Donald Trump had engaged in insurrection. He gave aid and comfort to. Therefore, let's knock him off the ballot. And now all these states are having their judgments. Only one state, Colorado, said, OK, we'll have a trial about this. They had a five-day trial, found that he engaged in insurrection. Then they said, well, we're allowed to knock him off the ballot. All 50 states get to decide who's on their state ballots. Michigan today came out and said, no, this is a political question. It's for Congress to figure out. It's not for us to figure out, even though I disagree with that. So ultimately the Supreme Court is going to have to rule on this because no one has ever tried to run for president. Now, all across the country, I think there's a 25 or 30 different people who tried to stand for office, for local office, for state office, who were involved in January 6th, who have been told you can't. So it's not that it hasn't been litigated, but it hasn't been something this big for the president of the United States. So Colorado knocked them off, but there's going to be a whole bunch of other states that are going to have to decide. And the Supreme Court will ultimately put them back on the ballot in all 50 states. How they do it is going to be hard because they're originalists, they're contextualists, and the and the text of the Constitution is very clear that he can't be on the ballot. Well, thank you for that explanation, and thank you for wanting the electorate to make the ultimate decision on that. When we come back, got to talk about impeachment proceedings against President Joe Biden. And I'll weigh in on this one, since obviously I'm the Republican here. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm all that conservative. But um, I think I want to weigh in on this one, since you weighed in on uh, whether Trump has the right to run for the presidency and let the let the people decide at the ballot box on your place to be. Greg Kelly is normally here on this, the Red Apple Audio Network, the Mothership Connection. As we continue on with Anthony Weiner on the left, yours truly on the right, if you want to hear it more on a regular basis. It's Saturdays, 4 to 5. And before that, Anthony Weiner takes on all the Trumpers from 2 to 4. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.
Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we're back. Anthony Weiner, yours truly, Curtis Sliwa. Uh, before I weigh in on the impeachment proceedings that the Republican House is uh, undergoing, uh, our news guy, James Flippin, who often comes in and jumps in with Greg Kelly, came in off the street and said it's like apocalyptic outside where we broadcast from. It's like nobody's around. Because, again, a steam pipe exploded. The fear was it sent asbestos uh, tumbling into the air, and it seems like everybody has just packed up and left. And uh, you will never see a scene like this at all in midtown Manhattan uh, during the work week. The only time I've seen anything like this, like 6 o'clock in the morning on Sunday when I'm finishing doing six straight hours until the break of dawn. It is apocalyptic. But uh, three Saturday, no, three Sundays ago, I sat uh, at a restaurant nearby here in which the New York State Republican leadership uh, was uh, having a visit of the brand-new Speaker Johnson that they all claimed they knew. Nobody knew him. Uh, nobody knew him. But they all, great guy, they all knew him. Nobody knew him. But it was good to be able to hear from him because he obviously spoke about abortion, but he also spoke about how they were going to move forward to try to impeach Biden in the House. There was not a universal, um, like, high-five green light. I would say half the room was like, why? There's an election that is now going to be just about a year away, less than a year away. Why are you going through impeachment proceedings in the House? Every time it's happened before, it seems to have made the person subject to impeachment stronger. Clinton, Trump. So just beat Biden at the electoral box. But apparently Johnson did trigger that. They are moving in that direction. I think it's a big, big mistake, Anthony. Big well, he mistake. I mean, he did it reluctantly because he has this core that wanted this all along. You know, they were talking about impeaching Biden, heck, going back to the very beginning. I think it's a mistake for them. Now, just to be fair, they said it's an impeachment inquiry, but it's very hard once that ball starts rolling downhill because now if they don't impeach him, it sounds like they're exonerating him. I don't know, but why? Say, say this. Why would you do it? The same way I couldn't understand why you kicked George Santos out with a few months left. And now we've seen that on Long Island, it's a big money grab for both sides, the Republicans and Democrats, a special election. The consultants are going to get paid. And the people, what happens? They get screwed. Yeah, but the, yes, the reason why is because Donald Trump wants them to do it, and they do whatever Donald Trump says. I don't necessarily know if Donald Trump wanted George Santos removed. Oh, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the impeachment. Like, oh, yeah, you impeached me twice. Now Biden's been impeached. Understood. I think think that's why. But it's such a waste of time. Such an enormous waste of time and energy with so many problems that are taking place uh, that we're involved in. One of which is the war that Israel is waging now against Hamas. Earlier today, uh, the leadership in Israel said expect many, many more months of war. In the Gaza. Uh, now, you're the number one Zionist uh, here at our Mothership Connection of the Red Apple Audio Network. you got to sort of explain it, because that means we're going to have a Hamas demonstration a day for the next few months. Oh, my, oh, no, my, please try to tell us what's going to happen, Mr. Zionist. 
developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Never a slow day, never a slow day when it comes to news and talk. I've told my colleagues this over and over. You know what typically would be happening this time of year on talk radio, Anthony Weiner? Oh, you know, the biggest 10 stories of 2023, lazy radio. There is so much going on. We started off the program having told you that there was a caravan of uh, Hamas supporters who blocked the entrance to JFK on the Van Wick quickly arrested by the Port Authority police, uh, put on uh, a bus process, 19 of them, and their vehicle seized and taken off the roadway, traffic back to normal. Meantime, as you were coming back from JFK into Midtown, a, um, a steam pipe exploded not far from where we are uh, broadcasting, and the place now is a ghost town. Traffic has been cut off all over on the east side, it's apocalyptic. We just saw police cars going the wrong way against traffic, and not a, they didn't even need their sirens. It was like... You know, there was no traffic. I mean, you don't see anything like this in Manhattan except like it's Sunday morning, 6 o'clock, when I finished doing my overnight six-hour extravaganzas. So you had all that breaking while we've been on the air. And now the big issue is Bibi Netanyahu and Israel said, guess what, this war against Hamas in Gaza... It's going to go on many, many more months. We see that the U.S. Navy has shot down some uh, drones uh, that were sent in their direction in the Red Sea by the Houthi rebels in Yemen. Uh, The Iranians are claiming there will be death and destruction uh, following uh, the killing of their number two guy for their surrogate group, Hezbollah, in Syria uh, that Israel took out. So the place is percolating. Let's just focus on, on on Gaza for a second. If, in fact, Bibi is correct and it takes many, many more months of war, what do you extrapolate from that since you've been very supportive of uh, Israel in this effort? Well, it's hard to tell because it's Bibi and he is interested in his own self-preservation. Bibi will be the prime minister in Israel until such time as the war kind of ebbs a little bit, then they're going to throw him out. He He's unpopular there. This is a little bit, you know, so you and his entire thing is holding together whatever coalition he has around a really forceful prosecution of the war. Now, there is a big movement in Israel calling for more focus to be put on getting the hostages back because there are a lot of families who are waiting to hear so so I don't know what it means. I think the opposite's going to happen. I think he's raising expectations that it's going to be longer, and then when it cuts off sooner, he's going to say, "He's going to say, all right, we've moved into a different stage." There's only so much more they can do. They've cleared out the south virtually. Now they're working it their 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 way in the north, and and or the other way around. They they cleared out the north. Now they're working their way to the south, and I think that it's just a matter of time before they say, "Okay, now we're in the next phase." where they basically start going house to house and the major bombing is over. 
But the long haul is not a positive one for Israel because now they've got to, they've broken this place. They've got to, they, they have to figure out a way to hold it and to occupy it again. All the people who remain there, they have to be fed. Uh, some of them are going to be in need of uh, clothes, medical care, especially water. Uh, definitely in that part of the country, the only thing they have access to is the salt water in the uh, right, sea. Right, but, but, but during normal times, about 80% of the water in Gaza is generated in water, in, in Gaza from desalination plants or pipes that come in there. They'll be, I mean, the problem is going to be the physical place is a mess. Now, the phys- it's a war. It's a war. It's like Dresden. You know, it's, it's a war. Um, but, well, but Israel is going to have to occupy it in not the negative sense of the word, but in the sense of the word that someone has to take care of, has to be a caretaker of Gaza again, and they had hoped to not have to do that when they left in 2005. Look, uh, you uh, have the, you mentioned uh, Dresden, you mentioned Germany after the war, the Marshall Plan, to put it all back together again. What plan, if at all, could you conceive of to deal with Gaza in the aftermath of a Israeli victory there? I think the only way that these two peoples can live side by side in a two-state solution is if the Palestinians somehow govern themselves. But part of governing themselves means choosing leadership that doesn't just say, okay, we're going to be like Hamas again, and we're going to put for every dollar – we put 10 cents into building up the West Bank and 90 cents into building bombshell, uh, into building tunnels, into building, into buying missiles and the like. I'm not optimistic. I don't know who it's going to be because it has to be someone that the Palestinians trust. Otherwise, it's going to be a violent, op, you know, an occupation. Remember, you know, a lot of our listeners may have forgotten this history. And I know these kids that are protesting in the street forgot it. In 2005, after people said free, free Palestine, free Palestine, free Palestine, the Israelis left Gaza in 2005. Without any conditions. That was Ariel Sharon. That was Ariel Sharon, one of those hawkish guys, the lion, they called him. And almost immediately, Hamas took hold, and now here we are. So anyone who says, well, Israel should just leave, that's step one. No, that might be the last step as Israel leaves, until they figure out a way to build up the infrastructure, build up civil society, have elections. And, and as much as we like to think that the other Arab states care about the Palestinians, they don't. They don't. They never cared that much. They've never cared about about a, a true two-state solution. They never cared about the – all they care about is having the Palestinian issue because, remember, the Palestinians are refugees. The last thing they want to do is help them get relocated. So basically they'll be stuck in that box. Uh, much of that uh, area would have been obliterated uh, because it is a war. And Israel can't occupy it. And administer it because they're going to have insurrections. But they're going to the have to. But that's the problem. They're caught between the devil and the and and the deep the the the, the Mediterranean Sea. They, they they are stuck in this position. When when I have a conversation with these protesters and they can calm down long enough to listen, I would say, "Who do you think should govern the West Bank and Gaza?" And they say, "Palestinians." And I say, "I agree, but who?" What is the – for who's the person? Who is the party? Who is the entity? Who do you turn the keys to? There's no one there. And Jordan doesn't want them. The, the Egyptians, they have more – they have as many problems from the, from the Palestinians as the Israelis do. They don't want them. And this has been the plight of the Palestinians. And so when they said in 2005, govern yourself, they couldn't do it. After in 2000, uh, in 2000, in 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, when they had the two state solution negotiations, Oslo and everything else, Mahmoud Abbas, Yasser Arafat, they couldn't do it. 
So then it becomes who does. So when people think about how the Israelis and the UN talks about Israel as being an occupying force, well, it's only for lack of anyone else having any interest to do the hard work of taking care of those parts of the world. It's certainly not because they want to. It's been nothing but headaches for Israel for the longest time. <laughs> and the uh, UN is not interested in sending in any security forces. There. They send in a lot of relief. They send in social workers, uh, medical clinicians, but it doesn't seem to be a desire to send in the baby blue helmets there. Well, look, there are some of them in the Golan Heights, okay, that that the Israelis agreed to have there to stand between the Syrians. By the way, you forget about the Golan Heights. Israel was, was once upon a time attacked by Syria and had to take the Golan Heights to protect themselves. They're getting they're getting attacked now from people who basically taken over the poor people of Lebanon. They've been taken over by Hezbollah. So the U.N. can come in. If they showed any ability to combat Hamas, they should have been doing it for the last 40 years. You know, they well, remember, there was a 10-mile zone in southern Lebanon where you had the Marianite Christians there that were allied with the Israelis. Ehud Barat, who was the prime minister then, pulled the Israeli troops out quickly without any notification to the Marianite Christians uh, they ended up getting slaughtered by a lot of the Muslims who were seeking revenge against them, calling them traitors. Now you got them hating on the Israelis because of that. So it just seems everywhere you look, no matter where the border is, you have these divisions. And what do you do in order to maintain your your strength, your solidarity, other than the possession of nuclear weapons, which they all fear that the Israelis uh, would use in order uh, to make sure that their their state continues. Well, you know, by the way, you make an excellent point about the fate of the Lebanese Christians. And it's worth pointing out, you know, if you're a Christian, y- you know the history that when Israel has been in control of lands that are important to Christians, they preserve them. When Muslims um, have and when and when the Arabs have been, in charge of those those people, they've done slaughters, right? So the, Leb- the the Lebanese Christians have had the war. Of everyone in that region, the Lebanese Christians have had the worst. But it's not so much. Look, this is not an existential fight for Israel right now. They're a strong enough military. They're going to take care of Hamas. They'll take care of Hezbollah. If need be, they can take care of Iran as well. The problem is, if they're going to survive as a country, it can't be every. There has to be peace. Every country wants. To peace and Bibi Netanyahu, his worst vice is that of all the prime ministers going all the way back to 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 Ben Gurion, has tried to secure the state of Israel by ne- trying to get peace with her neighbors, and and that's the one thing Bibi never did. But right now, as much as anyone want to negotiate, and I, and I I've been critical on these airwaves of Bibi Netanyahu, he's not wrong. There's no one right now to turn the keys over to, or even to negotiate with. A Trump uh, president, uh, things were relatively quiet there in the Middle East, the Persian Gulf, when Donald Trump was there. In fact, remember that famous scene, his national security advisor, Warhawk extraordinaire with his, um, his uh, what do they call that, pepper uh, and oh, salt Bolton. mustache. Yeah, Bolton. Bolton comes in. The Iranians had shot down a drone, United States drone, in the Straits of Hormuz, which is uh, what is the uh, very small waterway that a lot of the oil traffic passes through in both Iran and Iraq. Bolton demanded an all-out attack on Iran. President at that time, Donald Trump, said, well, 
what would be comparable to what they did? Because it's not a manned flight. You know, you want us basically to go to war against Iran for a drone. And Bolton uh, said, no, you got to obliterate him. you got to take him out now. Yeah, no no proportional response. No, and uh, Trump said, you know, I think we'll take a pass on this. We'll, well take a pass on I'd this. I'd say the one thing you can count on, you know, uh, uh, John Katsimatis and, and, and Rita Cross, who do this great show the the at 5 o'clock, that's available, I think, on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Every guest comes on there, any the slightest provocation wants to go to world war. They, they want to blow up everybody. Totally. And the toughest thing about being president, and Biden, I don't know if he's getting it right right now, is to say, let's keep everything kind of proportional. One thing Iran wants to do is they want to kind of make chaos right now. And they want, and Israel has, has Israel is fighting on, on two fronts, arguably. There's not a lot going on on the northern front, but there's some. And so, with using the Houthi rebels, it's very similar to what Donald Trump faced. And you gotta learn that, listen, you, you respond proportionally. Someone shoots down your drone, you blow up a drone factory. <laughs> you know, but but now you have U.S. troops who are starting to be injured, and it becomes a different thing. Iran wants to expand this. We want to keep it narrow. Well, also remember, and you can't say it enough, when President Eisenhower was leaving office to soon be replaced by JFK in a very close election with the vice president at that time, Richard Nixon, a man who had spent most of his time in the U.S. military warned us of the military-industrial complex. And you are right. I hear people on talk radio, on talk TV, they are warmongers. You can have Lindsey Graham on with the sound off and know exactly what he's saying at any moment. Lindsey Graham <laughs> wanted to declare war against Mexico. Now, we think we have a lot of Mexican migrants coming up through the border now. Could you imagine if we started bombing parts of Mexico? Then they would actually seek asylum as war refugees, right? You're bombing us. Well, wait a second. Is that legitimate? Well, isn't that one of the standards of uh, seeking Absolute. asylum? Yeah, of course. We're always going to take in war refugees. Our number one trading partner in the world is Mexico. It is not the Chinese. We have people going down there, tourists, while all the narco-terrorism is going on. Tourism there has never been bigger in hey, terms of attracting the, Americans. You know where the opposition to building more border fences is the strongest? In the red parts of the red states that border Mexico, because so much of it is going back. That's how much of the economy goes on down there. But, yeah, there are people who are like – but and and I got to tell you, it is and, – and, and Iran, you're not going to see an Iran fighter jet. You're going to see the Houthi rebels with bandanas around their face with drones that they bought at Radio Shack because they want to try to figure out a way – to make themselves look important, and also to try to make things troublesome for the United States and for Israel. And I'll say it again. If you're the Ayatollahs in Iran, you desperately want that nuclear weapon. You know that's what makes you a player. You look at what happened to Muammar Gaddafi, friend one minute, enemy the next, friend one minute to us, enemy the next. Always hated the Jews, but sometimes he was a friend, sometimes he was an enemy. Bush 43 convinced him to give up his nuclear arsenal. Worst mistake he ever made. That place has been in chaos ever since. Then we look to the South Africans. De Klerk gave up the nuclear weapons before he turned over power uh, in an election to the ANC in Mandela because he felt the African-American, the, the blacks would use it against uh, the whites in Pretoria, which was... Ridiculous, but then again, that was his belief. He gave up the nuclear weapons. 
Look at Pakistan. They have so many nuclear weapons. Pakistan, with some crazy people that any moment want to declare jihad. North Korea. Everyone in the world knows you don't give up your nuclear weapons. And if you get one, that's your power. That's your power hand. And I think if you're the Ayatollahs, you do not want to engage Israel in war because, look, how many times has Bibi gone before the United Nations General Assembly? Remember with that picture of the bomb? He He so desperately (laughs) wants to send Missiles and bombers from Israel and take out that nuclear weapons development plan. And I want to remind plan. you, I want to remind everyone who is like, oh my goodness, we, the, the Iranians are this big problem. It, the reason the Iran nuclear deal was signed is because the idea was, look, we're not going to stop Iran from existing, but at least we can stop them from getting a nuclear weapon and it had been successful. The problem is, it's still, they still were able to do all kinds of other troublesome things. Up next, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, the ball dropping. Oh, my God. The Hamas nutniks have the NYPD and Eric Adams uh, having kittens. Right here, your place to be in the mothership connection uh, for Greg Kelly, the Red Apple Audio Network. Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, I need my clock here ticking away. Anthony, before we return tomorrow, same time, same place, can we go on a search and find mission for our police commissioner, New York, uh, Eddie Caban? With everything going on, with press conferences today by the NYPD assuring all the tourists and everyone coming to watch the ball drop in Times Square that the Hamas crazies will not interfere with the uh, ghost of Dick Clark and American bandstand welcoming in the new year. We've yet to see the police commissioner. Where the hell is this guy? You know, we usually, the police commissioner is usually the one government official besides the mayor everyone kind of knows. And uh, this time, no. Nowhere. No press conference. Look, we've had a uh, horrible killing in Grand Central of uh, two young girls, not killing, but stabbing of two young girls, visitors, tourists, by an emotionally disturbed guy who's had 17 other arrests in the Bronx. Uh, we have the Hamas demonstrations every day. We have all other kind of police officials handling these press conferences we have the explosion of the steam pipe with it looks apocalyptic outside on the east side. Nobody is around. And I want to know where the hell is the police commissioner of New York City, Eddie Caban? I, I call him no cojones, Caban, or out of town, Eddie Caban. But Anthony, you might have better luck finding out where he is because he has been an invisible man. Yeah, we should put him on the back of, do they still put pictures on the back of milk containers? Is that still a thing that we do? I did that one time when I was up in Parkchester looking for where AOC supposedly lives in the Bronx as I went from apartment house to apartment house. I said, have you seen this lady here? Nah, she's in Westchester. She's in Westchester. Anyway, uh, just to recap, Port Authority police took less than a half hour to clean out the uh, Hamas caravan supporters that blocked JFK Airport, the entrance that, ironically, 
Anthony Weiner himself had gone to to drop off his son who's traveling overseas. That's number one. Number two, a steam pipe blows up on the Upper East Side, not far from where we broadcast, and they claim asbestos might be in the air. You look out now into the streets of where we broadcast, there's nobody. It's apocalyptic. It's as if everybody decided to pick up and move to Florida. But you know the one thing we can count on, even in the coming apocalypse, you will be on the air. Damn right. (laughs) My hands are solidified on this microphone. You'll have to pry my cold, dead hands off this microphone. And to everybody else out there, no, it will be back same time, same place. Left versus right. You can hear us regularly Saturdays, 4 to 5. At the uh, Radio uh, Red Apple Audio Network. And, of course, you, Anthony Weiner, two to four as you take on all the Trumpers. Great stuff. See you tomorrow, same time, same place.